Welcome everyone to a Monday episode of Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Find them online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. You can find me online, social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at primetimeklein, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com couple of plugs here before we get things going today where we talk about the Grey Cup, the NFL, some baseball, and then today's ticket at the end of the show. It is November, which means it is Movember. I have a Movember page. Um, it is in the link tree that I post to share these shows. Uh, it's in the bio of my Twitter and my Instagram. I think my TikTok as well. Um, either way, would really appreciate your support. Big announcement for that coming up later on this week. Also, uh, game over this week. I am on a couple of times. I am on, I believe it is Wednesday and Saturday, so check those out. Again, follow me on social media to find out where I'm going to be on all of those. So yeah, just a couple of plugs before we get things going today. My voice sounding a little bit different than I was actually anticipating, so that's awesome. Um, coming up on the show today, an incredible way to close out the CFL season. We have a team that has kind of reminded everyone of who they are. Actually, a few teams reminded us who they are, in a good way and in a bad way, and then we find out how they were built with the Houston Astros. Before we get to today's ticket, presented by Betstamp, they are the Trivago of sports gambling. You, I mean, we we go through it every time on this show. You get the best odds. You can find the best lines from all the different sports books. You see the value of having multiple different sports books um, that you can kind of rely on, and it just it, it helps get a better return on your investment. And there's also a number of experts whose picks you can follow on there. It's a great app. Download it. Use the referral code Couch when you download it to let them know that you found them from here. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Should be a fun one today. The studio sponsor for Coach Potato Diary is Clearwater Cleaning Solutions. They are your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all your cleaning needs. All right, we begin with, again, I mentioned it um, last week, a league that I definitely wish I would have covered a little bit more this year, and that would be the Grey Cup. An incredible finish to the CFL season, and I'm not just saying that because the Bombers lost. Um, you get two blocked kicks in the fourth quarter. There were two blocked field goals all season, and then you have two in the final quarter of the year in the biggest game of the year. Unbelievable. You have um, uh, a pick by uh, of the MOP by the top Canadian of the game that helps kind of seal it away. You have a backup quarterback come in with some name value, comes in and leads a game-winning drive. Just a remarkable, remarkable game. Um, there's a lot of times where I am, I am skeptical of the league. I am frustrated with the direction of the league because I want it to do so well and it's doing so not well. Um, but today is not the day to say anything but positives about this Canadian football league. That this was a, just the, the, it was a game worthy of being a championship game. The drama that you had going into that fourth quarter, it was a close game throughout, and then the last, like, six minutes, it was, that game was drunk. Oh, it was so much fun to, to watch along and follow, and just, like, right down to the final moments of that game, it, it 
just, oh, incredible. The, the drama setting up, and this is where having the Rouge actually works in your favor in the, the Canadian Football League. The drama of him setting up to, to kick that field goal for Winnipeg to either take the lead or if he misses it, you got to bring it out of the end zone because one point ties the game. And then to have it blocked like that, oh, just mwah, chef's kiss, absolute chef's kiss. Couldn't couldn't script it out any better. The Toronto Argonauts are Grey Cup champions, and they get there because of their defense. Um, they did a phenomenal job of not giving Winnipeg any time to breathe. Zach Caleros didn't have a whole lot of opportunities to create in the pocket. Um, and we, we've seen the longer you give that guy time, that receiving core in Winnipeg is so good. The, the skill position players they have are ridiculous. And to give Caleros no time just takes away so many of those weapons. And and then in the secondary, again, Toronto, like it's speed, it's talent. It was a great game plan from Toronto just all the way through. Um, a really, really great showing here for the Toronto Argonauts in this championship game. And it, it's funny, like you have, I mean, obviously in a league with nine teams, there's going to be a lot of kind of... Um, familiarity and a lot of different connecting storylines, I guess. And you have Dinwiddie coaching for the Argos against the Bombers, who he played for in the Grey Cup against Saskatchewan, with this Grey Cup being in Saskatchewan. Just a, a nice little thing, but obviously, like, an extremely well-coached team. So happy for Corey Mace, who... Um, was so positive in his roles with the with, with the Calgary Stampeders and so supportive. And then to get this opportunity to finally lead a defense and to have it do that, couldn't be happier for Corey Macy. Obviously did a phenomenal job of coaching this team up. But one of the, the big takeaways from this game for me is that Toronto's investment paid off, right? Like, Toronto... With their um, with their kind of commitment to this football team, where it's like, you know what, we're fucking Toronto here, man. Like, we're just gonna spend, and they just went out, and it was okay. Well, let's maybe try to whatever. Like, no, we're gonna get the best guy available at every damn position, and we're just gonna go for it. And it's worked. It's worked. It didn't necessarily pay off last year, but. This year, you have uh, McLeod, Bethel, Thompson kind of step up. There's some talk about his future now and what Chad Kelly potentially brings to this Argos club. But you had MBT step up. You had the, the veteran players around come up in big ways. And then when Andrew Harris gets hurt, you have guys like Ouellette who step in and just continue to carry on. So Toronto's, I don't even want to say gamble, because, I mean, betting on talent is never a bad thing. But Toronto's investment in this team is really something to, to see. And Toronto's kind of, like, it, it just, it's great that this worked, is kind of what I'm getting at. To, to see, like, oh, well, let's let maybe try to cheap out a little bit on a couple different spots. Like, no, we are going to spend, and we are going to try to win. They just accumulated as much talent as they could, and it paid off. I don't think it's that this is going to be the breakthrough in the Toronto market or anything like that, but it's just, it's great to see. Winnipeg is still the standard bearer, but it's nice to see Toronto really go for it and have it pay off. My one critique of this whole weekend, we need to shut the fuck up about Andrew Harris. Look at him, proving the doubters wrong, overcoming adversity. Motherfucker, this is not overcoming adversity. This is you facing the consequences of your own actions. For those who don't know, Andrew Harris was on his way to an MOP type of season. 
And then the 30-something-year-old running back who's built like a brick shithouse tested positive for steroids. I am not a proponent of the eye test for steroid stuff um, ever since Bartolo Colon tested positive for steroids. But this wasn't one where I was like, no, really? This guy who's doing something that no one could ever think of in their mid to late 30s tested positive for steroids? I never... And then he comes back, he's won a couple of Grey Cups, and everyone's like, oh, look at, like, this is just so inspiring. Like, get the fuck out of here with inspi inspiring. Get out of here with this. I am so annoyed at the coverage around Andrew Harris. It's like, yeah, he just, he's, he's been able to just battle back and prove the doubters wrong. What doubters? The drug testers? Like, come on. It, it's so ridiculous that they're just latching on to this narrative for no reason. You could just not say anything. Like, Andrew Harris is really good. One of the best running backs in the Canadian Football League. One of the best Canadian running backs in this league's history. Like, just a, a standard bearer for almost a decade, probably over a decade by now. You could just not say anything. But to just to go out of your way to talk about what he has overcome... Facing consequences is not overcoming. That's just being an adult, and he shouldn't be celebrated for it. Oh, it was just so stupid, the whole thing. But he's a, a part of what Toronto did, and the Argos are Grey Cup champions. It, it sets up an interesting offseason uh, out here in Calgary. Bo Levi Mitchell has uh, been moved on from, uh, I suppose. We talked a little bit about how Calgary has a lot of decisions to make. Saskatchewan has a lot of decisions to make. I'm interested to see what Edmonton does now after they were thoroughly embarrassed this offseason. And in BC, Rorick is probably as good as gone. How do they follow that up now? So many interesting storylines. It's a really, really good time for the Canadian Football League. Just don't screw it up with stupid Andrew Harris shit, okay? Great. Thank you. Moving to the NFL. The Kansas City Chiefs have done it again. It Watching that game last night, it felt inevitable, didn't it? Like, I was thinking about this. There are some teams, like, you don't want to give Josh Allen a ton of time, right? And you probably don't want to give Justin Herbert a lot of time, although they gave him some, and that didn't seem to bother them a whole lot. Nothing felt more inevitable than Kansas City coming back and winning that game on that final drive. And I, I have an apology to make. To even consider right now anyone else but Patrick Mahomes as the MVP is crazy. And it took me until now to figure that out. But Patrick Mahomes should be the NFL MVP this year. Look at what Tyreek Hill has meant to the Miami Dolphins. He lost that and has his team now, I'm pretty sure they're the one seed in the, the, the AFC. If, not, if they're not the one seed, they're playing like a one seed. And... Like, the, the the offense is still rolling. Are there still some flaws with this team? Yeah, of course there are. But there are with everyone in the, the NFL this year. Um, so looking at the AFC, yeah, Kansas City is the one seed. A game up on the Dolphins, Titans, uh, Ravens, and Buffalo Bills. This dude has this team as the one seed. They lost a dynamic player on offense. They've been trying to mix and match everything all season long. Their best receiver is a tight end in his 30s. And this offense is still just rolling along like no one's business. It's incredible what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do. And he he should be the MVP. I'm not saying this as recency bias or anything like that. Patrick Mahomes, what he has done for the Kansas City Chiefs, deserves the MVP award. Looking at MVP odds right now, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. 
Oh, Tyreek Hill is the favorite as the uh, as offensive player of the year. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is the favorite now to win the MVP at minus one sixty. That that is how it should be. Tua, I don't think should be on there. Jalen Hurts would be interesting if the the Eagles continue their run here. Um, it it shouldn't matter, but if Hurts puts up a couple of good performances in prime time in the next little bit, then he probably works his way up a little bit. So Hurts is pretty good value for that one. But the MVP should be Patrick Mahomes because just. No other team has that feel from last night where it's like, oh, they're going to win this football game now. It is surprising when they don't. And that's that's where Mahomes, where Mahomes has got this team. You talk about the Chiefs feeling inevitable. The Chargers didn't. I do think Justin Herbert has regressed a little bit. And I understand that there's a lot going on. He is still very good. I want to make that abundantly clear. He is still very good. He is still very talented. He is still in need of a much healthier team around him, and he is still in need of a better head coach. That does not change the fact that Justin Herbert has not taken a giant leap in this, this most recent season. I think he's trying to do too much with the football. Uh, I, I think he's missing some reads. I do think it would help if he had a couple of receivers who could get open or just make plays on 50-50 balls. Now that you have Keenan Allen back, at least for now, maybe that helps you. But Justin Herbert, I don't think has gone above and beyond to help the situation. And it's unfair to judge him against the guy who I just said is the MVP. But you look at the situation Mahomes was put in, and you look at the situation Herbert's been put in. Now, a big difference there is Andy Reid, of course, but Herbert has not elevated this team as much, and he has not elevated his game as much. And it, it's he has a lot working against him. I want to make that clear. The blame pie in Los Angeles right now he does not get the biggest piece. That that is clear. That this is he is not the biggest reason that this is falling apart. Not falling apart, but this isn't going as well for the Chargers as we thought it would this year. But he is not completely blameless in this. He he hasn't taken that step that I kind of thought that there was another level for him to take this season. Good win for the Bills. Um, not a oh hey this team's back, but they have a weird travel week. They go to Detroit. The Browns are not a very good football team, I don't believe. Um, maybe with Deshaun Watson back, noted piece of shit, Deshaun Watson. Maybe that changes things. But this was not a game that I think the Bills are going to be like, okay, back on track now. A win's a win, and that's great. And you keep the Jets from being first place in your division. But this wasn't a everything is right in Buffalo win that I think some people maybe hoped it might have been. Just a quick note, they flew to Detroit to play this game. They're going back to Detroit on Thursday. They're going back home. Why are they going back home? Just stay in Detroit. Have you seen what it's like in Buffalo right now? Like, you couldn't have a football game there because they couldn't travel to the football stadium. Why are you going... Well, just, just stay in Detroit for a couple of days. I get it. Detroit's probably not awesome in November either, but you at least don't have to worry about shoveling yourself out every day. Like, this, it makes no sense to me what Buffalo is doing right now. Uh, the Patriots and the Jets did a very good job of proving that neither of those teams um, are any kind of threat in the AFC this year. It was... It was such a bad game. I don't know why it was It was on red zone so much on Sunday. Both offenses really struggled. And admittedly, like we said going in, Wilson's probably going to struggle against Belichick, and the Jets' defense has very much taken a, a big step. So obviously, 3-3 with then a punt return touchdown is going to definitely, you know, that... that that game looked every bit like a 10-3 football game. But both of these teams, like if you want to like, hey, maybe it's a statement win for the Jets against the Bills and maybe they're going to... No, they're not. No, they don't have the quarterback for it. 
I I am officially out on Zach Wilson. I that this is this is my planting of the flag that Zach Wilson ain't it for the New York Jets. I so unimpressed. And again, he's facing um the, the the Patriots and he's facing Belichick and that's always difficult for a young quarterback, but it was so bad and he is so bad. And this team from a Jets perspective it has to be so frustrating because everything is there, right? Like they just nailed this draft. And you have now weapons on offense. Brees Hall gets hurt, which sucks. But you still have weapons on offense. You have one of the top defenses now in the NFL. And you're still stuck in the mud because you got the wrong dude playing quarterback. And that is so, so very frustrating. Has to be, from a Jets perspective. For the Patriots, they are not helping out Mac Jones at all. And I get, like, okay, the first year was a little bit like, okay, let's just kind of ease you in. I feel like they went from... Like, first gear and tried to go to fifth real quick, and he wasn't ready for that. There needs to be some kind of progression uh, afforded to this quarterback, and that, that, that it just it hasn't. It hasn't been with New England. They I don't think they're helping out this quarterback at all with how they've kind of designed this offense this year. Moving into the NFC, the Eagles struggle, but they do get a win. A win's a win, but the, hey, Eagles are one of the best teams in the league. That, that feeling is fading off. Um... Quite frankly, with an impressive performance tonight for the 49ers against the Arizona Cardinals in Mexico, I could see the 49ers in my power rankings overtaking the Philadelphia Eagles as the, the top team in the NFC. So, just, the, the, the Eagles, it, it was, there was no reason for it to be as challenging as it was. Uh, the Colts the Colts run defense is really good. The Colts defense is pretty good, but not so good that it should be shutting you down in that way. I thought I, I came away more impressed with the Colts stop unit than I did with anything that the Eagles were doing. The Giants crashed down to earth sticking in the NFC East. I I think you can probably pick it up when you listen to these shows. Nothing really frustrates me more than when bad teams do well. Because it's like, oh, well, I mean, look, yeah, the, I mean, maybe there's a couple pieces that aren't going together, but 7-2, and 7-2, and two, I don't know what to say. No, this team sucks. The offense struggled against the Lions. And their de- when their defense has an off day, the offense isn't close to being good enough to, to make up for it. This is a, a extremely flawed football team. It's a hell of a coaching job from Brian Dayball. If he gets this team into the playoffs, he deserves Coach of the Year. Let's take a look at the uh, at the futures market here. Coach of the Year. Nick Sirianni is the, the leader right now at minus 140. Oh, Mike McDaniel, that's a pretty good call. If Dayball gets the Giants into the playoffs with this team, he should be Coach of the Year. He's at plus 800 to win Coach of the Year right now. I, I think that's a pretty good value right now, honestly. I, I, think, I think he should be Coach of the Year for what... He has gotten out of this, quite frankly, trash football team with the New York Giants. That this is this is back-to-back struggled nights for the Giants. When you look at um, this was uh, a game against Detroit this week, they barely were able to put the the Houston Texans away. They're seven and three. They're third in the division now because this division is insane. But. Like, as it sits right now, they're a playoff team. And then you look at the teams behind them. I think the 49ers jumped them pretty quickly. Commanders, Falcons, Lions, Cardinals, like none of these teams really threaten you in in any way from a, a Giants perspective. So honestly, this team is probably making it into the playoffs. And boy, that sets up a great matchup for one of the division winners. As it sits right now, it would be Seahawks against Giants in the first round. 
crazy that Geno Smith might be able to win a playoff game. Like, I just, I really don't see it with this Giants team. And when the defense isn't there to bail them out, which they were against Houston, but that's against Houston, they shouldn't have had this much trouble with the Detroit Lions. And it really, really cost them in this one. Speaking of crashing down to earth, the Vikings had a really, really bad day. Um, that, that was... That was a rough one from a, a giant or from a Vikings perspective as they fall 40 to 3 to the Cowboys. You had a crazy win the week before, so there might be a bit of an emotional letdown, but that was an ass kicking. They had no answer for anything that the Cowboys defense was doing. And pretty clearly, 40 to 3, they had no answer for what the offense was doing either. Just a, a, a really, really bad game. I'm, I'm just going to chalk it up to a bad day for the Vikings, but once again, the Cowboys. Kind of proven that they're for real. I I think that this is a team we need to be taking seriously. A frustrating loss against Green Bay, for sure. But th- this is still this is still a talented, talented, talented football team out in Dallas. So one more game on the schedule, but so far a very fun week in the National Football League. Music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X is where the Ace would be, and find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. All right, we do this after teams win championships in the major sports. It's time to look at how the Houston Astros were built as they go on to win a World Series championship over the Philadelphia Phillies. A couple weeks late on this, my apologies, but let's get into it. This was. This was a bit of an interesting dive because you think of the Astros as the team that successfully tanked, right? Like they they tanked, they got Correa, they got Springer, they got Bregman, and off they went. But now looking at it here, it's it's interesting how this team's been put together. Anyway, um, in no particular order, Martin Maldonado, their catcher, was a free agent signing. Same with Yuli Gurriel Jr. And same with Jose Altuve, a amateur free agent signing. This was one of the ones where it was like, okay, this team has done some really good work. Jeremy Pena, the, uh, the, the rookie who won ALCS MVP, third round pick in 2018. So it's not just, oh yeah, they got a bunch of high draft picks and now they're really good. That This is a team that was able to hit, not that the third round is a late round, certainly not in baseball, but this is a team that was able to, to hit in some other rounds as well to kind of keep things going. When you hit on a player like Pena, you can afford to let Correa go out the door and then maybe spend that money elsewhere. The, the, the Astros did a great job with that. The, the big one here is Bregman. He is the second overall pick in 2015. They get that after um, Aiken doesn't uh, sign with them as a top draft pick. So they get the second overall pick in that draft. They get Alex Bregman behind Dansby Swanson. Swanson, who might end up being a Blue Jay after all this, has had a good career, but I don't think has ever reached the heights that a lot of people thought that he would. Bregman certainly has. He, he has been every bit of a second overall pick in a draft. They, again, supplement with a free agent signing of Michael Brantley. Chaz McCormick played center field for them this year, 21st round pick in 2017. And then the other big one, Kyle Tucker, fifth overall pick in 2015. I think this is a good example of how drafting for need does, I mean, especially in baseball, just draft the best player available. Because who knows? Uh, Kyle Tucker gets drafted in 2015. Springer, I'm pretty sure, is already in the organization at that point. Probably even at the big league level at that point. Either way, you're thinking, okay, we have a all-star center fielder. We don't need 
any other center fielders. Why are we wasting a high pick on this kid? Well, A, center fielder, you can kind of spot him anywhere, and T uh, Tucker does eventually go into one of the corner outfield spots, right field, I believe. But this is one where, okay, we are going to draft this kid. He's going to get to the big league level right around the time where George Springer becomes a free agent. And hey, would you look at that? We can let Springer go. He goes to the Blue Jays, love him on the Blue Jays. But we now have a cheaper option again that we can put there and we can kind of fill out the rest of our roster. So it's a really good example of the types of things and the type of flexibility that you can get when you draft best player available. Uh, this one was hilarious. Jordan Alvarez acquired from the Dodgers for relief pitcher Josh Fields. Uh, Fields pitched two years with the LA Dodgers in a relief role, not an overly high leverage relief role by any stretch of the imagination. And the Astros end up getting one of the top power hitters in baseball right now. One of the just best hitters just in general in all of baseball. Aledmus Diaz, a uh, super utility guy for the Astros. He was acquired from the Blue Jays for Trent Thornton. Thornton fit a need at the time for Toronto, but he certainly, I don't think, has progressed in the way that the Blue Jays would have liked. Uh, Mauricio Duran, also a bench player, acquired from San Francisco for Michael Popperski. Uh, I'm probably saying that wrong. Then Trey Mancini acquired in a three-team three trade from Baltimore. So now the, the depth piece is like, okay, let, let's go out, make a couple minor moves and address our depth. Smart, smart, smart work by the Houston Astros. In the pitching department, Framber Valdez, amateur free agent. Um, Jose Urquidy, amateur free agent. Luis Garcia, amateur free agent. Christian Javier, amateur free agent. When you And then you go up again. Jose Altuve, amateur free agent. Yuli Gurriel Jr., international free agent. This team has crushed the international free agency market. Like that, that has that that is how they have won this championship by going out in the international market and getting these players and developing them. But th this has been kind of what the Blue Jays were hoping to do with guys like Vladdy and Lourdes Goriel Jr. This team has spotted talent in so many different areas and maximized it. It's really incredible when you see again, how this team was built. Um, one of the other big ones, they acquire Justin Verlander from Detroit for three players, none of which I, I believe have had much impact with the um, with the Detroit Tigers. Now, the, the Tigers, like, this isn't a, oh, man, they completely blew it with the, the Justin Verlander trade. And we have a number of different examples of how that can also backfire in a different way. But th this is kind of a good showing of, Sometimes it's good to trade a few prospects to get the established pitcher, right? Like, sometimes it just works out in your favor when this goes. There are the, oh, you traded Grady Sizemore and uh, Cliff Lee for Bartolo Colon, for like half a year of Bartolo Colon, and you're the Montreal Expos. Well, that's really unfortunate, isn't it? Like, sometimes those things play out. But, yes, looking at it here, it was... Traded by the Detroit Tigers with a player to be named later and cash to the Astros for Franklin Perez. Let's see what old Frankie Perez has been doing. Uh, hasn't made the big club yet. Still just 24. Some time. But that hasn't gone well. Daz Cameron. What's Daz doing in the big leagues? All right. He's played three years with a uh, batting average of 201 and uh, 244 plate appearances. All right, so not what you're looking for. Not what you're looking for. Uh, Jake Rogers. What's what, what's what's Jake Rogers been doing at the big league level? All right, he played two years with the Detroit Tigers uh, with a career batting average of 182. So sometimes 
the look, we can't we're giving up three prospects for Justin Verlander. Yeah, you are. Because sometimes it just doesn't work out. None of those have hit for the the Tigers. It has not progressed their franchise in any way, shape, or form, trading those players for Justin Verlander. It just it hasn't worked out. And so this is I, I think another one where oh man, you're gonna trade all those pieces for David Price? You're gonna trade all of those pieces for name a player? Yeah. Sometimes it comes back to bite you. Sometimes it's Noah Syndergaard um, who pitches in the World Series before Ari Dickey play, pitches in a playoff game for your team. But sometimes it's Daz Cameron, Jake Rogers, and Fra- Franklin Perez who haven't done fuck all for the Detroit Tigers in any meaningful way while Justin Verlander has pitched in multiple uh, World Series, multiple League Championship Series. You do that trade a million times out of three if you're the, the Houston Astros. Uh, we already went through Rikidi, Garcia, and Christian Javier. Ryan Presley acquired from Minnesota for uh, a couple of players, so solidifying the back end of that bullpen. They also uh, go out and trade for Rafael Montero in that weird Kendall Graveman trade where Seattle was kind of competitive and then just decided, eh, we're not competitive anymore. They go out and trade Graveman and Montero for Joe Smith and Abraham Toro. Phil Matten, who had a, a 3.84 ERA with the, uh, the the Astros this year, he was acquired in a trade with Cleveland, and then Hector Neris and Ryan Stanek, um, two free agent signings. So I, I think it's interesting when you look at this bullpen because this bullpen was obviously a major strength of the Houston Astros. They went out and spent on it, and not like big money, but a couple of free agent signings, a few trades, and you have the best bullpen bullpen in baseball. Um, I, I think this is clearly what the Blue Jays are trying now with the Teoscar Hernandez trade to try to kind of bolster that area of this team. But when I look at the Astros, the, the final conclusion that I have is this, I, I I love this way of team building. Yes, they certainly, I mean, they, they establish a winning culture with the guys who they tanked with, right? Like, or th- that they tanked to get. Those guys came in and kind of reset things. But when you look at kind of like the the tanking stuff with the Astros, it got them Bregman and Tucker at this point. Obviously, before, it got them Springer, it got them Correa, it got them a lot of success that leads to a lot of money that you can then go out and spend on guys like Justin Verlander and go spend in the, the free agent market. And you're comfortable spending what you're spending in the international free agency market. But they have done such a good job of just keeping that pipeline going. Like, you only have two high picks on this whole team. A second overall pick of Bregman and a fifth overall pick of Tucker. Other than that, like for draft picks, it's a third round pick. It's a 21st round pick. It's a boatload of amateur free agents and then some smart trades. It is establish like your core foundation and then go out and just find talent where you can find talent. We'll pay for it in the international free agency market. We'll pay for it in prospects. Let's just go out and get a talented baseball team. I love how this Astros team is built. And then you get the, the the cherry on top with Dusty Baker. I get the cheating scandal was the cheating scandal. And the Astros are never going to be the good guys. But holy hell, this is a fantastically built baseball team. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learned history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! It's time for today's ticket, presented by Betstamp, the Trivago of sports gambling. 
Download the app, use the referral code COUCH, and really see what this app has to offer. It is a great way of finding the best odds for the games that you're looking for. You can see the value of having multiple different sports books and getting the best return on investment that you can find. Check them out, use the bet stand, or download the app and use the referral code COUCH. So let's take a look for today's ticket. The New Jersey Devils have been on fire as they take on the Edmonton Oilers uh, tonight. The Devils have won 12 in a row I'm just going to go straight up money line on this game. I think it's going to be a very close one. And the best number out there uh, provided by Sports Interaction at minus 145. Uh, it ranges from minus 145 up to minus 167 for BetVictor. Uh, oh, 169 at NBet. So you can see a pretty good return on the investment there. Oh, clicked on the wrong one. Let's go back. Uh, Sports Interaction. That's what we are looking to do there. So that is our play for that one. Up next, we have the Calgary Flames, who I think have figured some things out as they take on the Philadelphia Flyers. Flames favored by a goal and a half. That's pretty standard. So now you have to look at what's the best number that you can get that at, and that is coming to us from our friends at CoolBet. It ranges from plus 100, a power play, up to plus 119 with CoolBet. So we are going to take that one. What else on this NHL schedule today? Oh, the Canucks are pretty bad, and the Vegas Golden Knights aren't. The game is in Vancouver, but we're going to go with Vegas here. Um, we'll just go straight up on the money line. Pretty good value there at minus 129 from Bet99, ranging from minus 145 at Sports Interaction to 129 at Bet99. So that is the number we are going to click there. So three games from the NHL. We already have the one in the NFL. I uh, feel like we got a pretty good number with San Francisco as that number has moved up throughout the weekend. Taking a look at the NBA, I feel like our days of riding the Indiana Pacers, that one game that we had, is uh, pretty well done. They're six and a half point favorites over the Magic now. That's almost an overvalue now, but we're not going to not gonna pounce on that one just yet. Uh, you got the Hawks taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's a pretty good game. That's a pretty good number, though. Hawks plus two and a half. Man, the Timberwolves, seven-point favorites over the Miami Heat. But the game that we're going to click on here, the Boston Celtics taking on the Chicago Bulls. I, I just, I, I think it's starting to crumble on the Bulls a little bit. Taking a look at the numbers right now, um, it is a range from as high as six and a half a power play party poker uh b win have it at minus six and a half a number of different spots have it at minus six but we got a couple at minus five and a half tony bet um has it at minus five and a half we got bet victor at minus five and a half and betway has it at minus five and a half at minus 115 so we are going to click on that one and that is going to do it so, four games on the ticket today. We got the Boston Celtics to win by five and a half against the Chicago Bulls. Vegas to win straight up against the Vancouver Canucks. Flames to win by two goals against the Philadelphia Flyers. And the Devils to win straight up against the Edmonton Oilers. That Devils one coming to us from Sports Interaction. The Flames one coming from Cool Bet. Vegas against Vancouver is Bet99. And Boston taking on the Bulls is from Betway. So, four games making up today's ticket. Presented by Betstamp. Download the app, use the referral code COUCH, find all these lines, do all the line shopping that we just did, find the best value, and you can get the best return on your investment.
That's today's ticket. That's today's show. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. Trying to grow this thing. Still trying to grow it. So anything that you can do to help out is greatly appreciated. Remember, my Movember uh, is still going on right now. We have a big announcement uh, surrounding that coming up on Wednesday's show. So stay tuned for that. Uh, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I am at PrimetimeCline. Twitch.tv slash Primetime. PK. Find me on Game Over coming up uh, later on this week. A couple of times this week. Follow me on social media for all of that. We have a bonus episode coming out tomorrow, and then it is a regular Power Rankings Day coming out on Friday. So should be a fun week, everyone. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. I'm out.